Well, you know, I love that song because this idea, well, hopefully it's waking you up this morning. Thanks for joining us, those who are not running the flying pig. So welcome. All of our friends are, uh, you know, sweaty and uh, doing all that hard work this morning. But thanks for joining us. You know, that song is about waking up and it's about waking up to the reality that life is a journey and that when I'm older, I wish I could have prioritized things differently. If I look back, I wonder if maybe things could have been different if I knew then what I know now. Our church is in a series right now called Tailor Made. It's really about thinking about how to leverage your life to wake up to the reality of how do I make the biggest difference over the most amount of time. Yet we know we're all on a journey. So we've likened this to a tailor shop. You walk in, you check out the merchandise. You know, you might want this one. This one's a little aged, uh, but maybe you'll try this one or this one. <laughs> yeah, you walk in and you just got to check out the merchandise. What do you believe? What do you want? He, he dishes it out too. Um, but then you come to a place, you're like, listen, I don't want anybody to talk to me. I don't want any salespeople talking to me. I don't want any church people talking to me. And then maybe later on, you're like, you know what? I'm ready to see if something fits. And you step up and, and you connect with somebody. And somebody helps you look at, what is my legacy? And what really matters beyond this life? And how do I prioritize the things that are going to make a big difference in my family and my company for the future? And you connect with people who maybe have maybe a step ahead on that journey than you are. And maybe there comes a time you're ready to put on some of those beliefs, those thoughts, those actions. You want to try maybe going on a mission trip or experiencing some type of service you've never tried before. So you step you know, into the dressing room. You try something on and you get equipped for how to be the kind of dad you want to be, the kind of wife you want to be, the kind of leader you want to be. We recognize the church that people take one step at a time. And your next step is different from my next step. And then after that, maybe you take another step to connect. Another step to be equipped. But even that isn't success. As a church, success is when you begin to invest in other people. You begin to serve people who served you. You begin to serve the people who maybe (coughs) are a couple steps behind you in the journey. You you learn to connect with people and and help them discern and be mentored to to find the purpose and meaning and how to be the kind of mom they want to be, the kind of leader they want to be. And you help people explore where they're at and where they're headed. That's what our church is about. Helping people explore what we call exploring environments. Helping people connect through connecting environments. Help people be equipped through what we call (coughs) equipping environments. So as you think about that, the band's going to come back out and do another song. And this song really speaks about kind of looking in the mirror. What does it look like to look in the mirror and say, where's my heart at these days? What's motivating my heart? What's my heart prioritizing? What really matters? What's going to be long-lasting? As you listen to the words of this song, I want you to hear a story of a friend of mine, Chris, and an amazing story about how God kind of accidentally got him into this place and how his journey of looking at his own heart, has transformed his life. Let's listen, and then we'll watch. The first day I came to Horizon, I didn't really know I was coming to Horizon. I was struggling with whatever I thought was important at the time. Money and arguing with my wife and just kind of having a morning. And I told my three-year-old at the time, I said, hey, let's get in the car. And he said, where are we going? And I said, I don't know where we're going, but we're going somewhere. So I happened to live up the street, and I was just driving. And next thing I know, I was in a traffic jam, and everyone was turning. And I'm thinking, what is this? That's oh, all I need, a traffic jam. What is this? I look over, and I'm like, oh, it's church. And then there was a nice guys that are still here today, waving, smiling. And he had his little thing, and he was telling me to go this way. So I went that way, and then I parked my car. 
And then I looked at my son in the rearview mirror, and he said, what are we doing, Dad? And I said, I don't know what we're doing. I didn't know any kind of nomination or what kind of church Horizon is. I knew there was a bunch of guys smiling, and I knew that I was being waved in. So I came in, and uh, I've been coming ever since. And I got baptized probably eight years ago. It was uh, it was an amazing thing. I mean, it's so beautiful out here with the lake, and all your friends come, and the music was like always was great. Um, and then you know, to have your sins washed away, you know, past, present, and future, it's a pretty pretty great thing too. Um, and I'm I get emotional about it, and I'm really hoping soon to have my two my two twin boys that what I've been blessed with. Um, I think they're getting to the age where we're starting to talk about uh, giving their life to Jesus, uh, making him their Lord and Savior, which they tell me they already have, but to do it in a public sense and in, in front of everyone, and it, it's just uh, it's an amazing thing, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. God has definitely made a lot of unique experiences for me in the 10 years I've been coming to Horizon, um, and there's been many times with the verse-by-verse Bible studies that we do here that I've been going through something in my life, wrestling with trying to give it over to the Lord um, and not trying to be in control of everything in this broken world we live in. Um, And I come in here and the perfect Bible verse will just clear it right up. And it's so easy when it's written right there, you know, Hebrews 27, he said this. And I'm like, thank you. (laughs) That's what I've been waiting on. Um, you know, I can, uh, go back out into the world. And, uh, so that's been happening. It happens a lot. Um, which is why the Bible is, you know, is the Bible. (laughs) He knows what he's talking about. Talk about a a unique journey, right? Uh, he uh, had a, a fight with his wife as he explained his baptism one day and, uh, goes off on a drive and accidentally gets directed by the police into our parking lot and accidentally shows up at church. And uh, years later, he's loving verse-by-verse Bible study. Now, that's a pretty unique journey, right? Somebody who explored and connected and then got equipped. But that's what we're about as a church, helping people find hope and make changes in their life. And often, life can be a challenge, and it's sometimes easy to get overwhelmed between where you are and where you want or need to be. Sometimes I'll talk to folks, maybe in a marriage situation, and I'll say, maybe the perfect marriage is a hundred, and the most difficult marriage is a zero. And they come in to talk to somebody on staff, and, and one illustration I've shared just recently with a couple is I said, let's say right now, like your marriage feels like a 27, right? A 27, that's not great. But what if we could... What if we could get your 27 to a 64? Well, that's still a failing grade. Oh, we have it. Isn't a 64 twice a 27? Yeah. But right now, we are doing everything we can. We're trying as hard as we can. We can't give any more effort. There is no way we can even get a little bit better, let alone double. I said, well, did you know that 3 times 3 times 3 is 27, but 4 times 4 times 4 is 24? I said, what if we just took three areas of your life? We don't have to get from a one to a ten. We just got a tweak them. Just take three areas and tweak them slightly from a three to a four. Could you just from a three to a four get a little bit more emotionally intelligent towards your spouse? From a three to a four, could you just a little bit more prioritize what they want over what you want? Could you just a little bit more maybe listen when you're tempted to be defensive? 
Do you think you could improve from a three to a four? Maybe. In three areas? Yeah. The cumulative impact, the multiplication impact of just tweaking a few areas will pay dividends. Same thing's true financially, right? You got many financial advisors and people coming in, they got a plan and they kind of get off the plan. You're like, well, if you could just adjust your spending a little bit, adjust your saving a little bit, maybe have a little bit more income come in, the cumulative impact over time is the multiplication can transform your life. Spiritually, don't know if I believe in the Bible, but I'll try reading it. Not sure if I believe in God, but I'll figure out what the views of God are. Not sure if I believe Jesus did what he said he did, but you know, maybe I'll get into a study and ask some people who've been on a journey. Just a little tweaking in different areas of your life can transform and make a multiplication impact in your life for generations. How you talk about his kids are being impacted, his family's being impacted. When we change, the people around us change. It's powerful. I was at a wedding recently. And uh, the wedding was a bunch of 20-year-olds, many of which came to our church. Two were getting married, and I was sitting at a table with a guy who used to volunteer in our children's program and then became a part-time staff member, then a full-time staff member in our program. And we're all kind of just talking about you know, life in general and kind of all the crazy stuff going on in the world. And man, during that wedding, person after person after person, all these 20-year-olds came over Thank you so much. You made children's ministry so exciting. It was so awesome. The way you invested in us, the fun we had, the things we learned about God. By the end of that wedding, we all wished we had volunteered in the children's ministry 10 years ago. I mean, he was like the hero. He was like the the celebrity there. And yet knowing my friend Tim at the time felt like, you know, I'm getting up another day, doing another program. But the way he, over time, invested in people had a multiplication impact. And I got to see it firsthand. So here's what we're going to look at today. How do you and I have a multiplication impact in the future? You see, all of us need a Barnabas. And all of us need to be a Barnabas. We're going to discover who Barnabas is. He's probably one of the most influential people in the entire Bible, but you never hear about him. He's a guy who invested in people, who invested in people, who invested in people. He trained people to train people to train people. All of us need a Barnabas to invest in us. And all of us need to be a Barnabas where we invest in others around us. So I want to give you some, some truths about, uh, about what it means to be a Barnabas. What it means to have a tailor-made approach. Why Jesus' disciples took a very personal, tailored approach to all the people they came in contact with. And no one did this better than a guy named Barnabas. Who knew how to have a legacy impact that could multiply what he did through generations. First thing we see is that we all need to find someone who needs a tailor. We need to find someone who wants to be invested in. It's amazing how many people in your life need, right, development, need some work in their marriage, in their professional life. And yet for many of us, we're not really looking. We're so busy with other stuff, we don't have time to look for people who need that tailor, someone to come alongside and and give some tweaks or do some mentoring. Others of us, we have made that a major theme of our life. And you would tell us, oh my goodness, the way I'm investing in the next generation, the way I'm impacting and developing the next team of executives for my company, the way I'm seeing the life I'm pouring into my marriage or into my kids, it's making a huge difference. Who are you investing in? Have you found people in your life who need a tailor, who need someone to step in with a tailor-made approach and give them the love and the courage and the respect they need? Paul did. Let me show you what happens in the passage. Really interesting uh, 
Paul, his name was originally Saul. He was a very affluent, very wealthy, very well-known um, religious leader, a Hebrew who followed Judaism. He hated Jesus, hated Christianity, and so he got all kinds of papers and began to just hunt them down, jail them, torture them. He even watched people stone them one time. And yet he's just had this massive realignment in his life. It says, so Saul had come to Jerusalem, and he tried to join the disciples of Jesus. Because he's decided maybe Jesus isn't who I thought he was. Well, you can imagine all the people who've been tortured by him or had family members drawn, uh, drug into jail by him. They're not real excited about having him join them. So they're like, uh, no, it's a trap. It's a trap. So they're afraid of him. They did not believe he was a disciple, but Barnabas. Barnabas says, I'll take a chance on this guy. Yes, he's got a bad past. He's got rough edges. He's really belligerent. He thinks he knows better than everybody else. He's not real trustworthy. But Barnabas took him, Saul, brought him to the apostles and declared to them that he had a genuine life-changing encounter with Jesus on this road to Damascus where Jesus appears to him. We'll hear a little bit more about that in the next couple weeks. And he began to realize that what he thought was wrong was actually right and what he thought was right was actually wrong. It just realigns his entire life. But now he needs somebody to mentor him. And Barnabas says, I've seen this guy preach boldly after this encounter in a way that brought him persecution. I think this is a guy worth investing in. Are you somebody who needs a Barnabas? Are you somebody who wants to be a Barnabas and you're looking for people to invest in? Training people to train people, leading people to lead people. There's a nice psychologist by the name of Eric Erickson. You might remember his uh, psychosocial development schedule. It talks about different stages we all go through in life. Early on in life, we've got to learn to trust versus mistrust. It's just foundational to know where you put your trust. He goes on and says the next stage is you need to figure out who you are, your original voice, and not constantly live with self-doubt. And people who don't figure out who they are, they can live with insecurity the rest of their life. Then there's a stage where people learn how to initiate and and engage and take hold of life versus kind of always feeling guilty. Whatever I do is wrong. I don't know. Is it the right thing? Wrong thing? Healthy stage of initiative. And as he goes on, he says, later in life, you've gotten good at your job. You've got a little more time, a little more, more margin. One of the greatest challenges is what he calls generativity versus stagnation. See there up toward the top? After you've learned how to be intimate versus isolating, learned how to be in community, Do you know how to think about your life in a sense of generativity? How can I make a generational impact? Or am I just going to stagnate? Did I work my whole life so I could stagnate for the next 30 years in retirement? Or now that I have time and energy, should I be investing in something that makes a generational impact? It's foundational. I was talking with an author. His name's Henry Cloud. I got a chance to sit down and have a conversation with him about two years ago. And he talked about his father-in-law, who was very, 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 very wealthy. And his father wanted to make a generational impact. And he had seen that some of, in his experience, um, some of the kids he went to college with who had gotten uh, too much money from their parents, it didn't really serve their life well. So he had told all his kids, including Henry Cloud's wife, that they weren't getting any inheritance because he didn't think it would serve them well. And Henry was talking about what a great decision that was for their family. Like, really? I said, how is that? That doesn't sound like generativity at all. He goes, let me tell you what he did. He set up charitable giving endowments. 
And he decided he wanted to invest in all the grandkids, and he wanted to give the whole family a, a charitable mindset. So what he did is he set up multiple endowments, and he put his grandkids at early ages, like 9, 10, 12, 15, he put them on boards with him. And he would go with each of his grandkids. They'd take a trip over to Africa. they investigate the, the water sections there and the, and the health issues there. He got to have this yearly encounter with his grandkids. And they were kind of on the board with him and decide, here's the money we want to spend. And how do we spend this to make the most amount of difference in the most amount of time? And it would create a way that he in, invested in his relationships. Our kids and grandkids know him so well. And they begin to think about other-centeredness and, and how to impact the whole world. It just changed our family. I thought, that's a unique way to think about generativity. About two weeks ago, I had lunch with a guy who's over an organization, has about 10,000 business people that volunteer in his organization. He's like, I got this challenge. I get all these 20-year-olds who want to be invested in. They need a tailor to kind of help them in their career, help them maybe with some rough spots and rough edges. And then the other side of my organization... I got 20 and 30-year-olds that need mentors. I got a bunch of 60 and 70-year-olds who are about to retire or have retired who are golfing all the time, which is great. They've earned it. But I'm trying to figure out how to get the people who have time to mentor or be a Barnabas together with people who need a Barnabas. These people are desperate for mentors, and these people are like, you know, I've kind of done my time. How do we create a mindset or a vision for generativity to take your time and energy and money and make generational impact? Man, that's a challenge. And the Bible says that when we invest in people, that invest in people, invest in people, we can experience legacy impact. Because all of us, this is the second truth we're going to look at, we all need to know our tailor. Who made you your creator? The one who designed you, the one who put you together. That the foundation of everything we are is we want to know who we are and what we're on earth to do. What is your tailor-made purpose? from God. What on earth are you here to do? And Paul finds his, both his tailor in heaven, who made him, and what he wants him to do. Let me go back to that story of how he ends up shifting gears on Jesus. It says, as he journeyed, suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. So this is Saul. He's anti-Jesus, anti-Jesus followers. He's about to arrest some more people who love Jesus, who follow Jesus. Light appears, then he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, well, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. It's hard for you not to do what you set your mind to do. It's hard for you to admit you're wrong. It's hard to admit you may not be right. So, trembling and astonished, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Right? There's the question. What's my tailor-made purpose? If you're God and I had it all mixed up, what do you want me to do? What's my tailor-made purpose? And Jesus says to him, you'll be told what to do. Go into the city, and I'm going to bring you somebody to invest in you. Now, this is just striking on so many levels. Because he hasn't been persecuting Jesus. He's been persecuting Christians. And his theology or understanding that people and God are connected begins here. That how you treat people is how you treat God. So when you serve people, when you love people, when you invest in people, it's connected to God. And when you persecute people, when you mistreat people, it's how you're treating the image of God. This is a fundamental story that affects his theology. 
So what should I do? Well, next verse, it tells you what he's going to do. He says, I have a very specific plan for your life. Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. But rise, stand on your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose. To make you a minister, a proclaimer, a witness to the Gentiles to whom I send you. To open their eyes, help other people see what's true about God. In order to turn them from darkness to light, that they can experience forgiveness of sins and see they have an inheritance in heaven. I want people to know what really matters. Here's what's amazing about Paul. Paul went to the best schools of his day. He knew all the right protocols. He was born a Roman citizen, which was unheard of for a Jew. Because his grandfather or great-grandfather probably worked for Mark Anthony, making tents for the army. Probably made so much wealth or so much endowment to Mark Anthony, they gave him a Roman citizenship. So his grandfather, who was a tent maker, probably then was born his father, who was a, who was a Roman citizen. He knows all the protocol, protocols for kings and Gentiles and Caesar and all the Roman Empire. He's very, very educated. He's an incredible philosopher. He's an incredible thinker. And God says, I want to use all the things that have led you to this place to leverage that for maximum historical impact. I want you to speak to Gentiles, people who do not believe the way you believe. And I want you to speak to kings, judges, and leaders, and kings. And I want you to influence them to transform the world. And man, he does. In fact, we're here today, Gentiles, in America, because of what Paul did. But Paul wouldn't have been here to do that if somebody had mentored him. See, he gets into town, and here's what happens next. It says, this is before Barnabas, somebody had to invest in him, a guy named Ananias. See, had Ananias not listened to God and said, I'm going to take a risk and invest in this guy named Saul and say, maybe God wants me to be part of helping him get the edges off. He does. He, and Ananias invests in him. And then he tries to join the disciples, and they don't want to have anything to do with him, so Barnabas invests in him. Barnabas invests in him, and then he invests in a guy named Timothy. Timothy invests in church leaders. Saul goes around the whole European uh, Mediterranean Sea three times, building churches, building communities, teaching people, people this other-centered purpose. Know your tailor, know your tailor-made purpose. And we have what you and I call the church, Catholic church, Protestant church. It all goes back to this guy who found his tailor and found his tailor-made purpose. Look what happens when Ananias shows up. Imagine you're the guy who first has to encounter Paul. Lord speaks to Ananias, says, hey, Saul, that guy who's trying to kill everybody? Yeah, I want you to invest in him. He says, all right, well, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said, arise, go to the street called Straight, inquire. I want you to go talk to this guy called Saul of Tarsus. And I said, Saul, the Lord appeared to me, and he sent me to you. My tailor-made purpose is to invest in you. And Paul says, well, great. God says, somebody's supposed to tell me my tailor-made purpose. Then a few years later, Barnabas. Here Saul's in trouble. He needs some more mentoring. He departs, goes out of his way. He's very busy, as you're going to find out. He's doing amazing things. He seeks out Saul, invests in Saul, brings him back, invests a whole year of his life mentoring this guy. And it changes the known world. As a church, that's why we invest in people who invest in people. A couple years ago, I had a woman who was going through a real medical challenge, shook her faith to the core. At the same time, what she was going through, I knew somebody else in our church who'd been through something similar a few years earlier. So as we were talking and praying and dialoguing, wondering if God is there, or God even exists anymore, I asked this friend, I said, I know somebody who's been something similar. And I think they could just relate, listen, you know, no 
you know, bad advice or I know what you're feeling, just to walk with you through this journey. Would, would that be of interest? So I called this person up. I said, would you want to meet with my friend who's struggling right now? She said to me, she said, I would be honored and privileged to take the challenges in my life, the difficulty in my life, and see if I can give back and help guide somebody who's in the same journey. And they got together, and it became just an incredible connecting environment where people walking through life together, investing in one another. Is there a tailor? Does he matter? If so, how could this be happening to me? Another guy in our church recently started coming to our church and joining our exploring services. A couple years later, got into a verse-by-verse Bible study service following our equipping service in the book of Hebrews. And just recently, he had a uh, kind of a barbecue over his house and kind of had this cool thing. He's got this big kind of metal oval about two foot in diameter hanging by three chains. And he got these giant pork steaks sitting over the fire. It's on this big tripod. And part of the journey is uh, you, you gather your friends together and everybody's got a stick. Every guy needs a stick for the fire. And, and you push the, the, the little oval back and forth. And it, it cooks the steaks. And so you tell some stories and you push with the stick and somebody else tells a story and push it with the stick. As the group was just kind of hanging out, a bunch of guys eating some pork steaks, he said, guys, come here for a second. His wife on one side and his kids on the other. He said, you know, we've been in a a group together for several years now. And I got to tell you, I'm a better husband because of each one of you who have met with me, who have listened to me, who have challenged me. He looked at his kids and last couple of years, I'm a better dad because you've invested in me. It's kind of this sacred awe. All they're doing is hanging out, just chatting for the last couple of years, taking some time out of their schedule to get together, to build some friendships. But they were all just in awe that God had used just simply hanging out in a Bible study to change a husband, to change a marriage, to change a family for the good. It doesn't take a lot to make a generativity, long-term impact. How about you? Are you investing in anyone? Is anyone investing in you? Are you doing things that are going to have a multiplication impact through history? Because I think there's something we're all hungering for. That's our third truth. We all want life-changing service. We want to find some kind of service that, that takes even our good life and makes it better. Life-changing service. And right, when you experience life-changing service, you tell the people about it. You're not going to believe the service at that place. You're not going to believe the food at that place. You're not going to believe the the hospitality on that airline. It's not like the other ones. You naturally talk about life-changing service. And that's what happens. When one life is changed, the people around them's life is changed. When their lives are changed, the people around them are changed. When you find truly life-changing service... Somebody serves you and it changes your life. You want to serve other people to change their life. It's just kind of how life works. It's natural. And that's exactly what happens with Paul. Life-changing service to him. Ananias was there for him. Barnabas was there for them. And sure enough, he decides to give his life to serving other people who've been abandoned, who disagree with him, who are obstinate. It's powerful. So here's a question. Besides Jesus... What figure in history made the most difference in human history? Hmm. If a bat flies out of there, I'll run for cover. Most people would say Jesus. We take Jesus off. Let's just think about 
all the thousands of people, the Roman world turned upside down, the care for the poor, the care for the handicapped, the, the care for the poverty, the, the, the abolishing of, of slavery, all of this thing came out of the movement of Christianity against the Roman Empire. I think you could argue that the person who did the most amount of work in making all that possible was a man named Paul, who was once Saul. But if Saul made the most amount of impact of anyone in human history besides Jesus, then wouldn't the guy who invested in Paul be the one who had made the most impact? Because look at that, who else he impacted. See, Barnabas is probably the most influential person in history that you've never heard about before. He just kept investing in people who invested in people who invested in people. In fact, one day, Paul and... Uh, and Barnabas are coming before the, the, a group of, uh, of Gentiles, believers in Zeus and all the philosophies of the Romans. And as they stand there, both of them are speaking. Paul is the primary speaker, but Barnabas is with him in the background, encouraging him, supporting him. And look at what they say at the end of his message. Now, when the people saw that Paul had done, he's been speaking and doing miracles, they raised their voices saying in the Sonian language, the gods have come down in the likeness of men. Wow, there's something real going on here. It's like the gods themselves have come here. And then look what they say next. Barnabas, the guy in the background, they called Zeus. Hmm. But Paul, they called Hermes. In case you, know, you don't have your Greek-Roman mythology at the top of your mind, Hermes is the messenger of the gods, the spokesperson for the gods. But the real powerhouse, the real kind of main god is Zeus. They said, listen, we see the mouthpiece as Paul. He's Hermes, though. The guy who really made the difference? It's clearly Zeus. Barnabas. So even those who didn't believe what he believed, they recognized the guy behind the guy is the one making the big difference. Then news of these things spread to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. They sent out Barnabas. Keep sending that guy out. Keep investing in people. That's what he did. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad. He encouraged them with purpose of heart. They should continue with the Lord. Wherever this guy goes, people get encouraged. Wherever this guy goes, people just get better. Wherever this guy goes, people get equipped. He just keeps investing in people who invest in people who invest in people. Multiplication. An other-centered, encouraging, affirming mindset that just transforms the world. From a simple guy named Barnabas. I was talking to a buddy of mine who's been in some Bible studies here at our church. And he's like, Chad, I'm tired of being in Bible studies with people who are in the same Bible studies for the last 10 years. I want some fresh blood. I said, all right. This guy's you know, later in his career, still a little ways away from retirement, but getting closer. He says, I love in my business. I built myself up. Now I want to help other people build into the younger crew. Help them not make some of the mistakes I made. Help them be successful. Help them bless their family, bless their community. I love professionally building into people who build into their families and build into our company, creating the next generation. Just an other-centered mindset. He said, I want to do the same thing here. So he and a couple other guys in our church, they're currently mentoring some 20-year-olds in our church, some 30-year-olds in our church, some one-on-one, some in group settings. They're just saying, boy, I love the fresh questions, the fresh perspectives. It reminds me of some of the optimism I lost, kind of the cynicism of age and I need to recreate. And I get to bring some wisdom in their life because, you know, there's some maybe naive optimism I can help with. And now I'm saying, he's saying, I'm not just coming to Bible study to get a bunch of people who are doing the same old thing over and over again. I'm investing in people who really want to know some answers, really challenge me with hard questions. That's what I want to do with my life. Maybe you do too. 
Maybe you're at a place where you're like, I don't know where I'm at in the journey, but we want to be your Barnabas. And we don't even know how to do it sometimes, right? Because your journey is so individual. How do we help you explore? Is that a relationship? Is it a group? Is it a tool? Is it a website? Is it a service? Maybe you're watching online. And you would say, hey, the best tool right now for me is this online service thing. I love the app. I love checking it out. I love using the book-by-book app. I love going to past messages. I can search for how to parent, how to marriage. It's all kinds of ways. That's a tool maybe that helps you. For others of you, maybe it was coming to our comedy night. You invite some friends that have never been to our church before, but they love coming to a comedy night, listen to Kenny do an hour of great music and end with some Dave Matthews, ants marching and blowing the harmonica, and you thought he was going to pass out because it looked so great and it sounded so great. You're like, man, somebody might come to our church if they can have that kind of experience. Or maybe you're at a place where you've been enjoying our exploring service, but you're like, you know what? Verse by verse through the Bible, that sounds kind of intimidating. I'll try one online. Maybe I'll come to the 945 service or try out the 830 service. We just create environments tailor-made or attempted to be tailor-made to help you with wherever your needs are. All of us need a Barnabas. Someone to invest in us. And when it comes time, all of us need to be a Barnabas that we invest in, we serve in, and we help other people. At our church, there's lots of ways to do that. We create places where you can serve. Sometimes that's back-to-back. Sometimes that's going on a mission trip. Right now, we're finding ways to connect in our community by doing these care supply drives with Interparish Ministries. Maybe you say, you know, I've never done it before, but maybe I want to go down to City Gospel every Friday. I want to invest in people who are looking for mentors. And you go down once a, a month, and then you find out there's guys who want to be mentored, women who want to be mentored. And you say, you know what? I want to give a little bit more time to mentor them. Maybe you want to take a, a week of your life, and maybe you want to try going on a mission trip to Belize. You want to join the team there. Maybe you've got individual gifts and purposes and skill sets that you could leverage to impact people. Maybe you want to fill up one of our blue bags with perishables or, or our hygiene drive, one of these, these uh, I'm colorblind, so whatever color this is, tan, green, tannish green. Fill this thing out and you want to uh, help people who just need basic hygiene. You want to invest in people because that's what the followers of Jesus do. I don't know. I don't know what it looks like, but we are a community that believes in the power of multiplication. So here's my challenge to you. What would it look like for you to switch your mindset? To live from a place of addition? You're adding a few more numbers to your bank account, adding a little bit more time. What if you began to switch from addition to multiplication? So just adding more things to your own life, which is great. Nothing wrong with that. It's how you've got where you are. It's how you've been successful. Well done. But what if you look to the next stage And it's no longer about you adding a little bit more to your life, but you multiplying the impact in those around you. And I bet you that addition will look, and that multiplication will look different for each one of us, right? It's a custom journey. Go back to our illustration. Remember, three times three times three is 27. But four times four times four is 64. Parenting-wise, what if you just spent a little bit more time investing in your kids enjoying them, getting to know them, maybe apologizing for ways you didn't prioritize them. Can't hurt. What if you begin to spend a little bit more of your money, not just on yourself, but things that you think will make a a, a long-term difference? Obviously here at Horizon, we think that we're making an eternal difference. So many of us give financially here because we think what happens here is making eternal differences in people's marriages now and into the future. Maybe it's financially you want to make some changes. 
Maybe you're in some debt and you need to make some changes to, to spend less. Get with somebody who can mentor you into how you made these decisions, how to get out of it. Maybe it's spiritually. For you, that multiplication is saying, you know what, I spent 40 years building a very successful career. I haven't had time for the God thing. I now got a little bit of marginal time. I want to start putting a little bit of time in my understanding of who God is, what are the different views of God. Maybe it's depression. How can God help me? I've been stuck with this thing. I'm tired of this story. I've gotten the medical side fixed. I've got the, the, the emotional side kind of worked out, but I've never really looked at the spiritual side of this. I don't know what it looks like for you, but here's what I know as a church. We love to invest in people. And we have a tailor-made approach. We want to know where you're at and how we can serve you. And I hope you've been served so well by our church that you say the same thing. How can I serve? And that might be volunteering. That might be giving financially. That might be coming to an event. That might be trying out baptism. I don't know. But let's be a church that is all about generativity and investing in people who invest in people. And imagine what the next two years, five years, or ten years will look like if all of us become a Barnabas. And we're humble and teachable enough at whatever age we are that all of us still need a Barnabas to help us make great decisions. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you uh, just love people. You love somebody like Saul. He looked very unlovable at the time. And thank you for people like Ananias who took a risk to invest in him. Each of us can think about people who invested in us early in our career, coaches, bosses, companies. And we wouldn't be where we were today if it wasn't for them. Thank you, Father, for bringing those people into our life. And Father, would you give us a vision of how we can go and do the same for others? That we could leverage our life, our energy, our money, our talents to make the most amount of impact over the most amount of time. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here today. We're going to continue our series next week with Taylor Made. And we're starting our giving tree next week. So if you've been part of our tradition of loving the way we give to our community, um, the giving tree is going to be set up starting in the um, next couple weeks. You're going to see in November is when we started off. So again, come prepared for that. A great way for you and your family to give back to our community around us. Thanks. We'll see you all next week.